Hi, this is Anna, and this is Check It at the Round Table, where we discuss movies, books, music, and stuff. Today, we are discussing the Netflix original movie made in 2019 called Always Be My Maybe. This movie stars, just a moment, I'm terrible with names, so I have to double check that. It has Ali, uh, nope, nope, not Ali wrong. Who's in this? The cast includes the guy from Quantum Leap, Randall Park. I know the guy, but I couldn't think of his name. Keanu Reeves, Ali Wrong, Michelle Bateau, um, Daniel Day Kim, Vivian Bang, etc. This movie I watched because I've been having trouble sleeping because of the humidity. It's like just crazy. I'm blaming global warming. I don't know, but it's like you wake up and you're just basically a pool of sweat. And it's like, even with the air con, even with the fan, it is not enough. So like today I literally woke up at 3 a.m. in the morning and went, I can't go back to sleep. I'm getting a cold pack for my head. I'm going to go wash my hair for the umpteenth time and hope that maybe it just stays unsweaty. <laughs> But anyway, enough of that. So I was bored last night and I thought, you know what? I know it's late. I know I have to go teach tomorrow, but I'm going to watch a movie because I can't sleep right now and I might as well be doing something fun. So I pulled this one up because the preview looked fun. The story involves the two main characters of Marcus and Sasha. Sasha grew up in a household where she often came home alone because her parents were working at their shop. Her parents came from Vietnam to the States, and Marcus's parents and him lived next door and came from Korea. So oftentimes, Marcus would come over to Sasha's and have her come over and be with him and his mom and dad when they were growing up and they were best friends. So they grew up from like literally the time they were little, little kids until they were 18 being best friends. However, when they were 18... They kind of had a moment that did not go like they planned. I'm going, you know, being a teenager is hard. I don't know anyone who survives their teen years and goes, these were the best years of my life. I'm like, most of us are like, oh, I'm so glad to be in my 20s and 30s. But anyway, they have a moment, <laughs> I guess you would call it, in Marcus's car one night. And after that... Marcus kind of has a complete meltdown because his mother has just died. So he's turned 18. His mother has died. He had this moment with his best friend, which has kind of complicated their friend status. And he unloads on Sasha, basically because Sasha is trying to calm him down after their moment that was a bit romantical. And, you know, it's okay. I know your mom has just died, but, you know, I lost her too. And I'm so very sorry this happened. He's like, you know, she wasn't your mom. You still have your mom. You still have your dad. Yeah, they might not have been there for you every day, but they're still alive. And so Sasha, I think kind of rightly so. I mean, I totally get that she should have handled it better when Marcus blew up when they're both 18. But Sasha... Sasha takes all that angst and just goes, you know what? You're a jerk. And she walks out of Marcus's life and does not return. And 16 years pass. So 
Marcus decides to go into the family business with his dad. They do HVAC. And Sasha becomes this up-and-coming kind of chef restaurant owner sensation across the land and is dating this total dweeb. I mean, I don't, I could think of probably a better, more colorful word for him, but we will just go with total dweeb. It's, it's nicer than what most people would call him. But anyway, so the total dweeb tells Sasha as she's getting ready to fly back to her childhood town of San Francisco. She's been in New York, I think. And he tells her that he wants to postpone their wedding for six months, go see other people to make sure that they are truly compatible. Well, he goes off to India and she goes to San Francisco. Yeah, it, it's a, it's a bomb, I would say in their relationship. I'm like, you know, if you just want to break up with someone or you don't want to tell them when you want to break up so you can keep making money off of them, it would be better to just be completely blunt about it. But anyway, for some reason, I think because Sasha totally does not value herself, Sasha agrees to this thing and he goes off and starts messing around with some famous, I don't know if she's an actress or starlet or something in India. Well, Sasha is trying to start her restaurant in San Francisco, and then he thinks that he'll be back in six months to marry Sasha. I don't know why she let him think that. I'm like, you know, I'm from the Midwest in the States, but we would just say, there's the door. I'm sorry I wasted my time with you. I mean, no offense, I'm going. But to be honest, I can't imagine ever dating someone like Sasha's boyfriend. I'm like, he's just... Yeah, dweeb, dweeb material. So anyway, Sasha is back in San Francisco for a couple of months to start her restaurant with a childhood best friend who is like 12 months pregnant, very, very pregnant with her and her partner's um, baby. And she's like, you know, I love her friend though. I mean, when I'm like, her friend is awesome. Her friend is basically the impersonation of everything Sasha should have been when she grew up, but somehow cowed down and wasn't. I'm like, I'm so glad Sasha had her friend in her life because she helped Sasha to make decisions that made her a better person, even though it wasn't as good of a person as she could have been, but still it was better. So Sasha and her friend, who is pregnant, go back to San Francisco to get the restaurant started. Sasha's friend requests that the Kim HVAC company, Marcus's dad and his company, come and put in the air conditioning at the place. Sasha has no idea that Marcus is working for his dad. She has no idea that her friend arranged this, but her friend has always kind of wanted Sasha and Marcus to get together because they really were good friends and they were really good together before the whole Marcus losing his cool thing and Sasha reacting the way she did, which completely understandable, but I still think a little wisdom would have been for them to both sit down the next day and have a calm discussion about why both of them completely overreacted and acted like nincompoops. But you know, it's hard to do that when you're 18 and hormones are just blaring in the sky. But anyway, <laughs> I'm going, you know, I don't know. I just look at things kind of weird and go, 
this is really quite solvable if we just calm down and account for all the anomalies of hormones. I'm like, you know, it's totally un totally predictable. It's just we need to take a step back and breathe. But anyway, so Sasha meets Marcus again for the first time in 16 years. Marcus, at this point in time, he is working at his dad's HVAC, doing a band that he started in high school still. They're a good band, but <coughs> they... Um, they do not go out of town because Marcus is afraid of leaving San Francisco. He's just totally freaked out about leaving his dad, leaving where his mom died, all this stuff. It's just way too much for him. So he's in San Francisco, and when he's bored, he smokes weed. He, I mean, I don't have a problem with people smoking weed, but I don't think you should smoke weed and miss your life. I'm like, that's not what weed is for. So anyway... Marcus is kind of just on pause with his life. And when he meets Sasha, it does not go well. But Mr. Kim is ecstatic to see her back, his dad. I love his dad. His dad is awesome. I'm like, for everything that Marcus isn't, his dad is a really cool person. Because his dad is like, oh, Sasha, you are so wonderful. It's so good to see you after all this time. You're very famous now, and you're getting married. And she's like, yes, I'm getting married. He's he's a young 50, and he's very, very popular, and he has 54,000 Instagram followers. And Mr. Kim is going, the girl needs help, but I will just smile and nod and tell her that my son is performing his, this band at a bar here in a couple days from now. And then as he leaves, Mr. Kim's like, you know, I always thought you and Marcus would end up together. You were so good together as kids. And he leaves and Marcus is going, I want to fall into the concrete and never be heard from again. So that's their first encounter. After that, through a roundabout situation, Sasha ends up going to hear his concert. She then ends up kind of having these, what do you call them, like times when she meets up with Mar with Marcus and also with her best friend who also works with her and just kind of realizes that she really does like Marcus, even though he can be a total jerk, even though he can be a mess. He's one of the few people who will tell her exactly what he thinks about things, which she's not really used to, I think, with what she does for a living, because everyone's always giving her alkalates. Everyone's always telling her, you know, it's fantastic and you're wonderful and all this. And Marcus will sit there and go, you know what? You have some issues. You are upset because your folks were not around when you were a kid. But you did have folks, and your childhood did not entirely suck. You had me. You had my mom. You had good food at the Chinese restaurant, which you can art Cantonese restaurant, which you cannot remember because you are clouded by your memories that were negative. And so through this whole process, she's able to kind of reevaluate who she is. She also breaks up with the dreeb at her at her nephew's birthday party. So the dream calls her and is like, I was talking to Padme over our breakfast together. And she's like, you know what? I'm done. I'm just done. I've counted to 12 on this. And no, we're not doing this. You're not branding me. You're not trying to sell my products anymore. I'm not letting you make money off of me. And no, we're not getting married. So that was, that was progress, I think, for Sasha. That's one of her defining moments in the film where she kind of is a 
better person than you thought she would be. But anyway, just because she sticks up for herself, I'm like, most films, women do not do that. And it makes me go, but anyway, so Sasha breaks up with the guy. She starts dating. I have, I'm very confused on the, like the last quarter of the movie because she actually Keanu Reeves is in this movie and they kind of have like this farcical version of himself that is extremely philosophical and a total jerk and I'm going Keanu Reeves is a really nice person so I don't know why we're portraying him in this comical fashion or why he you know allowed himself to be portrayed in this comical fashion so going Keanu's a nice guy. He would not do this to someone. He would not be this kind of a person because it's just not who he is as a person. So anyway, she dates this kind of comical version of uh, Keanu Reeves that is like a total jerk telling everyone how he's rich and they're little people, but it's okay because once he was a little person to them going... That's not a way to win over the masses. That's just a way to end up looking like a dweeb. So anyway, by the end of the night with Keanu Reeves, because Marcus and his girlfriend and Sasha and Keanu go out to dinner together, which costs like $6,400 for their dinner, which includes headphones. They can listen to the animal that they're eating and have that whole circle of life thing. I'm going... If I'm eating chicken, I really don't care to hear chickens in the background. I'm going, I'm sorry, but why is this exper experience worth $6,400? And we have like maybe a half a plate of food at the end of the night. It's just kind of ridiculous. And if you did have $6,400 just to spend on something, I think it'd be much better to go spend it on someone who you don't get alkylates for you just help them and move on with your life but anyway by the end of the night keanu reeves gets hit in the face by marcus because he's had it up to here with elves and i'm not for bodily injuring anyone but i will say i do understand where marcus's fervor came from because it would be hard for me to be in the room with someone like that as well although i would not punch people because i just don't like physical violence but i probably would stand there and give them a bullet pointed reason on the many ways they are a dream before turning and walking out and not coming back but anyway by the end of that situation, Marcus's girlfriend decides to run off with the dweeb version of Keanu Reeves, and Sasha and Marcus decide to become a couple and have like a month and a half together before Sasha decides to go back to New York. She tries to talk um, Marcus into coming with her to New York, but to be honest, he is panicking. He does not want to go to New York. He's worried about his dad. His dad, unbeknownst to him, is dating a... Uh, I'm, I'm so sorry. I'm not good with musicians or artists, but some artist impersonator that was at the birthday party for Sasha's um, relative and very nice lady. I'm like, 
he 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 can pick very nice people because his first wife was delightful. Uh, this lady is very nice too, but he did not tell Marcus he was dating her because I think he's worried Marcus is going to have a massive freak out, which he does. And also, the lady is quite a bit younger than Marcus's dad, although I really don't see why that should be a problem. But given American society, that could be a problem. So anyway, Marcus comes back to his house after telling Sasha that he cannot go to New York. Sasha walks off in a huff saying that Marcus should support her because it's the 21st century and, you know, women can go out and do things and win awards and their husbands or boyfriends can support them in the same way that men can go out and win awards and their husbands and boyfriends can support them. I fail to see the relevancy of this little speech that she gives as she gets into her cab and drives away. Because I'm going, this has no bearing on what is really bothering Marcus and why he is not going to New York. It is not because he is not being supportive of Sasha. It is because he is panicking and he is upset. And yes, he did see some things that were very unsupportive of her catering Asian fusion food to rich Caucasian people, which was not polite, but I will say in her case was very applicable, and Sasha didn't like it, but I'm just saying, given the storyline, I do have to say he was 100% correct about that, but he still probably shouldn't have said it. So anyway, Sasha is mad at Marcus and toodles off in a huff. Now, I will say, I am not a huge fan of Marcus because, number one, I don't think we should evade our life. I don't think that we should try to numb ourselves from our difficulties. If we have them, even if they're really hard, I think it's best to face them because otherwise they're going to come as a landslide and just over and over. At least that's been my personal experience. I'm like, you know, if you avoid things that are really difficult or really unpleasant, it's probably going to come back and bother you later on. So I'm not a huge fan of Marcus, but I will say I think for Sasha and I think for Marcus in the story, they will not be happy unless they are with one another because ever since they were kids, they have cared about each other. And even though they've been with other people, and like in Marcus's case, he was with this kind of weird person. I mean, no offense, I'm going, she says she has all these values, and then she runs off with the dweeb version of Keanu Reeves. I'm going, your values just went out the window, honey. But anyway, um... Even though they have their faults and even though they have their failings, they really wouldn't have been happy and would always be looking at their shoulder going, I wonder what it had been like if I'd been with Sasha. Or I wonder what it had been like if I'd been with Marcus. So anyway, at the end of the movie, Marcus decides to move out of his dad's house and to realize that his dad does not need a caretaker. His dad can take his insulin shot or whatever he has to take by himself. He can cook for himself, clean for himself, all that. So Marcus moves to his own place. He and his band get an audition. They start to make traction in the music circuit. Um, Sasha goes to open her New York restaurant and Marcus happens to be back in San Francisco for something. So he stops by her restaurant and he meets up with Sasha and his friend from high school who was pregnant but no longer is because she's had the baby and um, 
he finds out that Sasha has been ordering all this merch that he had for his band and ordering under the name of D'Angelo, which was a band they used to listen to, which was she never could remember the lyrics to. So anyway, he's standing there surrounded by these boxes of merch in Sasha's office, and he's asking her friend, he's like, why did she buy all this merch of my band? And and her friend's like, you know what? You're really, really dumb if you don't get why she did this. And she walks off and I'm going, I'm with the friend on this deal, 100%. But anyway, Marcus decides to walk into the suit company that um, Keanu Reeves told him about. He tells him that Keanu Reeves told him about the shop and is his friend, although I wouldn't deem them friends as Marcus punched him in the nose or punched him in the face. And to be quite honest, Keanu was mutual on that feeling of disagreement. But anyway, he tries to get a suit there, but it costs, I think, around 13 grand. So he he's like, take it off, I'm burning. And he goes to like the um, discount clearance shop and gets a suit for $214. He marches himself out to New York and he's standing there with all these reporters because um, Sasha is going to get another award and her parents unexpectedly flew in to New York to see her. They didn't even know where their daughter lived. I'm going, you know, I know we're supposed to feel like the parents are trying, but I'm going you don't even know where your kid lives. You were not there for your kid when she was growing up. Another family was, which I totally get that Sasha maybe has too much anger about that situation, but I'm going, really? They should be a little ashamed of themselves that they were not there for her, like, ever. But anyway, they're like, you know, now we're retired. We're going to try to make it up for you. And we went to your restaurant and we bought things at full price, including the shrimp. And Sasha's like, I can't believe my parents actually paid full price and didn't try to like get it for free because they're my folks at my restaurant. But I'm going, you know, it's, it's good that we try to change and do things better but it does not make up for the fact that they were not there which is why she has this bit of animosity toward them but anyway at the end of the day Sasha's standing there getting her pictures taken on the red carpet and they ask her they're like so who's your date for this evening since you've broken up with your boyfriend? And she's like, well, I couldn't decide, so I brought two. And she she brings up her mom and dad. And then um, the reporters are asking her questions. And then Marcus shouts in the crowd. He's like, I, um, I have a question. And he's like, um, I'm, I'm not good at speeches, so I'm just going to make this very brief, and I'm sure it will be quite terrible, but... Can I hold your purse? He says a lot of other things too, but anyway, he's like, I want to be where you are, and I'm I'm scared. But even if I'm scared, I'm still want to be where you are. And can I hold my hold your purse for the rest of my life? And she's like, That was your bad speech. And he's going, uh, Yes. And so anyway, they work things out. Marcus and his band decide to do their music gigs out on the East Coast for a while. 
um, Sasha opens her New York restaurant and it is in honor of Mrs. Kim Marcus's mom and all her recipes are used in the restaurant. She also flies Marcus's dad out for the opening of the restaurant along with his girlfriend, which I thought was a very nice touch to include Marcus's dad and his girlfriend since it is in honor of um, Mr. Kim's deceased wife. I thought that was very touching. Overall, I would say I did enjoy this movie. Now, I will say I'm not into rom-coms very much at all because, number one, I find them typically very annoying. Now, I will say there are a few exceptions. I really like While You Were Sleeping, and I really like Runaway Bride. Those are two of my favorite rom-coms that were ever made. But most movies I find, if they are rom-coms, are usually about two very self-centered people looking to gain something by their relationship with another person. Now, I figure, you know, everybody does them. But to me, that's not really the best recipe for a good relationship because if you're looking for someone to fill and suit your needs or desires, then you're not really thinking about that other person. And that's a very selfish place to be and not really the best place to be in if you're trying to be in a healthy relationship. In the same way, I think both Sasha and both Marcus had a lot of personal issues interacting with one another. But I also think like with Marcus and with Sasha both, being together as a couple when they were not in a, you know, cold war <laughs> with each other, they were good together. And also they tended to bring out better versions of themselves than when they are by themselves. So I think overall, I liked that part of the movie in how it really brought out Sa Sasha's fun and more lackadaisical nature, if you will, when she was around Marcus, and how Marcus became more responsible the more that he was around Sasha. So I would say that's kind of the things that I really liked about this movie, along with I really enjoyed her friend. Her friend was kind of very comical levity um, addition, and that was really cool to see. So I would give this movie probably a six to seven out of 10, again, mainly because I just am not into rom-coms and I particularly am not into them where it seems like everyone's trying to gain something from someone else. Now, I totally get that when you are in a relationship, you gain things by being with that person and they gain things from being with you, etc. And that's a good give and take. Totally get that. But I don't think that we should start out like with the give me give me attitude it's like i haven't really watched a lot of american made or western films in a in a long while because i primarily stick with asian bl drama or asian drama in general but this summer i was like you know what i have some time i'm just going to kind of catch up on some shows because i have netflix super cheap because i'm in asia and i'm like it's it's like half price here compared to the us but the thing that i've noticed is i'm going i really do get kind of more why i feel so much more comfortable living abroad than i did in the states and my roommate told me when i left they were like you know anna 
you're going to be so much more in your skin when you move to Asia than you are here. Number one, they have boba tea everywhere. And number two, I know you. You will do much better in Asia than you do in the States. And I'm going, you know, after watching some of these movies on Netflix that are Western, because I've been watching like this show, um, Always Be My Maybe. I watched, um, oh, I watched another show today because I got up at literally 3 a.m. I was like, oh, that was just, yeah. But anyway, it was called like, um, it had, let's see, it had Ashton Kusher in it. I'm not sure. Your Place or Mine. And also I watched a bit of the, what is it called? The Expanse season three. And I've watched Friends season one to three. And the thing that I keep seeing again and again and again is I'm going, I really do see why it's more comfortable for me to watch Asian BL drama. It's like, for example, this is another side note, but they're coming out with the new, the new movie, Red, Right, and Royal Blue, that will be airing on Amazon Prime on August 11th. It is a BL drama. I think it's one of the few... Amazon Prime has done. I don't think they really do a lot of LGBTQI plus drama. So I'm, I am looking forward to that one, although I'm not sure I'm going to like it because it is rated all. Although I will say most BL dramas I've watched that are rated R, there is nothing R rated in them. It's just because of the rating system and people being a bit homophobic. They rated R. So don't get me started on Vicky Rukatan. I could go into a diatribe on that. I did a couple of years ago. You can go back and check out that podcast. But anyway, there are very rarely any inappropriate scenes in BL drama. Although I will say, like, there are some that are notorious, like um, Ken Porsche. Haven't seen that one. Don't really want to see that one. Not my thing, but very, very popular. And also there's some J dramas that have been out recently that, again, I've heard that they are that way, but most are not that way at all. So I am looking forward to that because I was sitting here this, this last month and I was going, you know, since moving to Asia, one of the things that I've noticed is everyone is so peaceful. No one really gets upset about anything. It is very rare to meet anyone that is mad or troubled. It's not that they don't have stress. It's not that they don't get upset. But it's just that they have figured out that it really is very good to be calm, even when you're stressed. Because I was talking with one of my friends in the States here this last week, and I was like, you know, I haven't missed the U.S. since I left. And it's not that I don't like the States. I'm very glad to have grown up in a democratic country. I'm very glad to have grown up in a place where I could walk down the street and not worry about, you know, being shot or being mobbed or something like that. I'm very glad for those things. But it's kind of a breath of fresh air to know that you're in countries that people are calm. They're not going to like fly mad. They're not even probably going to discuss politics at all, just because it's not really something that is discussed. And they're also, 
not going to be trying to have an ulterior motive. That's the thing I think is most interesting about being in Asia. I'm not saying that some people here don't have ulterior motives, but most people I've met, they really are so focused on the present and they really don't want to try to take what you have. They just want to kind of visit and chat and find your story or you tell, and they tell you their, their story and you share, but you're not like trying to gain something from the connection other than just being friendly and having a good chat and, you know, that kind of thing. And when I'm watching Friends or when I'm watching The Expanse or when I'm watching like um, Always Be My Maybe or the the other one with Ashton Kutcher, um, uh, I forgot, and the girl from Sweet Home Alabama. But anyway, it, well, I think I mentioned it earlier, but anyway. So when I'm watching them, I'm like, everyone's got a bloody angle and I get so very tired of people having English. I'm like, it really does annoy me because I'm going, I once had somebody ask me kind of irately, whether like, well, what is your angle? And I'm like, I really don't have an angle in this life. I want to be there for the people I care about. I want to make sure that I do not purposely hurt anyone. I mean, I totally get that sometimes we will make a mistake that can bother people or cause trouble, but I never want to purposely set out to like trouble people. And I'm going, I don't have an ulterior motive because that's not who I am. I'm like, I have everything that I want or need. And if I don't, I will get it myself. And I'm not going to ask someone else or try to gain someone's confidence in order to get that. I'm like, I really have everything I want in my life, which I'm like, that is really awesome. Now, it's not to say that there aren't some goals I have. It's like, I want to finish college in the next two years. That's that's a life goal. I want to adopt my kids, of course, life goal. But I'm going, in the grand scheme of things, in the present moment, I have everything I want or need. And I don't need to try to get something by an angle. So I think that the one thing that this is solidified is I'm going, I think one of the reasons that I do not like Western drama is that most people are trying to get something through an angle. Now, I'm not even saying that they don't have a legitimate reason for trying to get something. It's like, you know, I totally get you got goals. I totally get you have dreams. I totally get all that. But I'm going, I think we can have all that and be much more calm about it and also not be trying to use other people to get what we want. I'm like, we can stand on our own two feet and we can get those things that we desire. But I'm like, which when you think about it, it sounds like a very um, American idea. But I'm going, I'm watching all these shows. I'm like, these people are not getting what they what they want through their own means. They're getting it by using this person and using this person and using this person. It's like I I ended up quitting friends because it was I called one of my friends who um, watches a lot of TV shows and I was like, I just want to clarify. I'm like, I'm in season three of Friends and I couldn't figure out why all my Japanese students for the last three years have asked me some really kind of weird and not in an inappropriate way, but pointed questions about Americans and their behavior. And I'm like, 
I really couldn't understand where they were coming from because I'm going, no, we are not like that. I don't know if they saw a silly portrayal in a show or thought that Americans were extremely selfish, but no, we are not all like that. But then I realized that most of my students from Japan who watch Friends, if they watch Friends and they thought that all Americans were like the characters in Friends, I'm going, I got to season three. And when Ross had a break, I'm going, you... You had a disagreement with the woman who you say is the love of your life. And then you, who have only been in one other relationship in your entire life, go out and sleep with the girl who is at the coffee copy shop because you're mad at the love of your life. I'm going, that is not a way to win her back. And that is a total way to show off as a, a, a total dweeb. I'm going one day and you're already running off with so-and-so and and blaming Rachel, who I will grant is, is not the most likable character. I will be the first to admit, but I'm going, you're blaming Rachel for your nincompoopery and saying we were on a break as your reason for behaving that way. I'm going, yeah, but after watching Friends and after watching these, I'm like, you know, I totally get that some people are like that. I totally get that oftentimes people do not have their best natures. But I think, again, the reason that I gravitate toward BL drama or that I gravitate toward Asian drama in particular is I'm going, number one, if couples do get together, they usually treat each other much better than I am seeing in Western rom-coms and that's that's why I'm curious about Red Right and Royal Blue because I'm going you know I haven't watched many BL dramas that are not from Asia I think come to think of it I think the only one I've really seen is some of Scam and some of with um, Isaac and Even and then also some of what's it called Spoiler Alert which if you haven't seen Spoiler Alert you should definitely drop everything and watch that show. It is made by the the brilliant actor who played Sheldon. Oh, he is awesome. I cannot think of his name right now, but he's one of my favorite actors, and he did a brilliant job in that show. And it really is a very, very touching drama and also shows how imperfect relationships can be and how you still try to make the best of it, even in that imperfection. I'm like, it it's one of the most gracious looks at grief and loss and forgiveness that I have ever seen in any drama. I'm going, it, it really is just brilliant. But I'm like, <clears throat> you know, I think that is the kingpin for why more people are gravitating toward BL drama. This the last two decades. Now, I will say, of course, there are other factors. Like, it is more socially and politically acceptable to watch BL drama than it would have been, you know, 20 to 30 years ago. But also, I think there is more to it than that. There is the fact that it has less ulterior motives, oftentimes, at least in the ones I watch. Now, I'm sure there are some 
that are not that way at all. And I'm I'm not talking about those kinds. And I'm not talking about like the Thorn type series, which is not a good example of ulterior motives nor of um, G-rated material. I'm just saying, overall, I think the reason that I think BL drama is so popular right now is because we have less of the drama and kind of silliness that we see in rom-coms, especially in like the Western culture. Now, I will say that there are some K-dramas and even some J-dramas, which really surprise me, that are quite good with showing care and thought between the couples. And I will say also to give a complete caveat. I have been watching Shadowhunters as well, and the characters of Magnus and Alec in Shadowhunters by Freeform, excellent example of give-and-take relationship that is very balanced and very equal, but that is like one of the few I can think of in Western drama that I have recently seen. I'm trying to think of another example, but I come up kind of empty-handed on that deal. But anyway, I would I would recommend Always Be My Maybe. Now, I will say I would not watch this with kids. I would be fine watching it with teenagers, but we would probably sit there and have a discussion about how both these characters, even though they are fully adults, even when they are kids, they are immature idiots, and this is why we don't act this way. <laughs> but I'm going, usually what I find interesting about kids is we don't have to have that talk. It's like... I would often have kids come stay with me on the weekends when I lived in the States. And the thing that I always found fascinating was I'd be sitting there watching a show with them and they go, Anna, you know, those people are a couple of idiots, but they do have a couple of good traits. So I think you can take the good traits and leave the idiocy. I'm going, you know, you don't really have to have talks with kids. They're usually quite smart on their own and they get it. They get it way more than we give them credit for. And I'm going, it's exhausting to have those talks. So I'm going, you know, you raise the kids right. And they, they get it without explaining by you. So anyway, that's my review of Always Be My. Maybe it is available on Netflix. I don't think it's available on other platforms because it is a Netflix original um, movie. Check it at the round table. Bye.